Grab your Bibles. Open up to Jude. You don't know where it's at? Really? You don't know where it's at? Darn. Hey, Jude. It's in the back. After third John, before Revelations. That's where it's at. So now you know. Now I got to turn there. So finally, we get to the point in Jude where it's time to fight back. After exposing the nature uh, in this letter, after exposing the nature of these imposters and these false teachers that are sabotaging this first century church, tearing it apart from the inside out, Jude, at this point, that we've reached today is finally going to turn his focus to his original stated goal, which was to encourage these, these people that he cared about to urge them to fight or contend for the faith. Now, while it might seem like we're finally getting to some of the good stuff, I think today there, there would be a lot of Christians that would be surprised to find out That Jude doesn't begin by encouraging these people uh, to do things like oppose a certain politician. Or support a different politician. Or to publicly appreciate a fast food chain. He doesn't even encourage them to do a strategic missional outreach program so that they could grow their church. But where he does start is of absolutely critical importance. It is where the fight for faith absolutely must begin. Where it must begin. So let's pick it up today in verse 17. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 21. Jude writes. But. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, and it's already, we've already prayed this this morning, but we pray it again. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear what you're saying to us this morning. Lord, have your hand upon me and help me as I minister this text. In Jesus' name, amen. It's funny. Where Jude begins isn't with an outward focus. 
Jude, Jude begins by focusing on the internal life of the Christian community. That's where he starts. The internal life of the Christian community. If I was to boil down in a sentence a big idea from this text, it would be this. Fighting for the faith begins with obedience to Christ. Fighting for the faith, contending for the faith, begins with obedience to Christ. Um, You can see I have my purple belt up here. Did you guys know that I do martial arts? I used to... uh, before, before Julie and I moved to Arizona, um, did, uh, we trained in Chinese Kempo for some three times a week at least and uh, worked hard at it. I loved it. And then we moved here and uh, it just didn't, nobody was teaching the system that I was learning. So it got way out of the habit and way out of shape. Um, but this past year, decided to, um, to pick it up again. And so... Jumped in, and uh, it was just a few weeks ago, toward the beginning of the summer, when I took the test and officially passed my purple belt test. So kind of like, well, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of like you've seen the insanity commercials. You know, they earned that T-shirt. Well, it's, this is like my insanity belt. I earned this in sweat. Um, the thing about martial arts, uh, and I'm really realizing. As I get back into it now, uh, I should have never got out of it in the first place um, because you just, you know how it is when you, uh, you, you stop doing something and you, you kind of lose your, your edge, you lose your abilities and you have to relearn things all over again. I can't tell you how many times I've hurt myself <laughs> doing the simplest stuff, um, not fighting anybody, just, you know doing a kick, and then I feel that kick for like a week. Like, oh, I shouldn't have done that kick. (laughs) So, um, but I've been enjoying it, and I've noticed how out of practice I am and how by not working out and doing that stuff, I've really lost some of the muscles that I developed back then. Uh, If you do, like, martial arts, you'll find out that you have muscles you just never even knew you had. There's, like, muscles in places that you're like, really, there's a muscle there. And it hurts. And it screams at you. Think about martial arts. Um, There's just so much intense training that goes into it, you know. I mean, honestly, the last time I was in a real fight was over 16 years ago. Um, That was the last time. I mean, yeah, I I threw a guy on the ground at Parkway one time. Um, (laughs) And the funnier part is, yeah, I chased him with a samurai sword in my hand. True story. That happened. We were getting ready for a youth one Sunday night. And uh, there was a guy who wandered his way onto the church property. And he was majorly strung out on drugs. Majorly. And uh, so they called me to go out and talk to this guy. There was no talking to him whatsoever. But that night, I was, uh, as a prop for, for my message, I was talking about the sword of the spirit. So I literally had a samurai sword. And I was outside talking to him, and the guy uh, opened my friend's car, stole his backpack, and took off running. 
At which point, I don't know, instinct kicked in. And I said, what? Drop that fool! And I took off. And before I knew what was happening, I had him in a headlock and threw him on the ground. And after I dropped the samurai sword, by the way. Because about about 20, 20 feet into the chase, I realized that I had a samurai sword in my hand. And this was not going to be a good thing. So I just dropped it. Uh, so, yeah, there was that scuffle. It doesn't really count. So the last time, you know, I, I, I was in a situation where using martial arts would have been handy. was, you know, six, over 16 years ago. So you, you kind of, and, and training in martial arts is, is you know, it, it can be very rigorous. And you train and you train and you train, um, but you mostly don't use the martial art. I've never actually been in a situation where I've actually used martial arts in a real fight. Because um, back in the day when I did fight, I didn't know anything. <laughs> Just kind of street brawling. Martial artists, though, and I don't really consider myself one yet, but real martial artists work tirelessly to transform their minds and their bodies through years and years of training. They do that so that they can perform uh, defending themselves or defending someone else when the pressure's on. It's like thousands of hours of training. Thousands of hours of working out and running techniques will translate into a few seconds of critical action. And that's it, you know. Thousands of hours translate into a few seconds, if ever. When I first started training, I was, I was told that the, like, the techniques that we learned, they have to be automatic. Like if you have to stop and think about it, you're going to fail. They have these techniques, the, this, this, way of, this way of fighting, this whole system has to be so much. It, it has to come like second nature to you. If you have to stop to think about it, it's not going to work out. I'm not sure that I'm there yet, but um, it's interesting. Like, have you guys ever watched Bruce Lee movies? Yeah? Is anybody a fan of Bruce Lee in here besides me? Yes. Welcome, fellow nerds. <laughs> Bruce Lee is awesome. That guy is amazing, right? As a kid, I used to watch all kinds of Bruce Lee movies. I used to watch all kinds of martial arts movies, right? And then go try to get in fights in the neighborhood so I could see if I could do that stuff. Don't act like you didn't do it. Boys especially. It's just kind of part of being a boy. I seriously spread the rumor through my elementary school that I was a white ninja. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though? It, um, even if you've watched every single movie Bruce Lee has ever made, and if you read every single book he ever wrote, and you studied him, like you, you went down and you bought your own copy of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, and, and you sat down and you studied that book from cover to cover, you watched all his movies, even if you did that, chances are, if you got attacked by someone when you left today, 
you would not be able to do what Bruce Lee does. Even if you watched all his movies and read his book. If you want to move like Bruce Lee does, you got to train like Bruce Lee trains. Does that make sense? It's just kind of common sense. If you want to, if you want to be a martial artist like him, you got to figure out what does he do when no one is looking? What's his exercise regiment look like? You know, when he, when he punches, is he, you know, what kind of punches does he practice on the heavy bag? What kicks, what punches, what are the routines he does on a normal basis? If you wanted to move like him, what you would need to do is start doing all that stuff. And then maybe you would have a chance of, of moving like Bruce Lee someday. For a person to actually become a martial artist, or l- let me say this, for a person to actually do martial arts techniques, they have to first really become a martial artist. Becoming someone comes before actually doing something. If you wanted to move like Bruce Lee, you would need to become like Bruce Lee. And you would develop yourself mentally and physically by training the way he does. Does that make sense? It's kind of common sense. In the same way, fighting for the faith begins with obedience to Christ. Fighting for the faith, contending for the faith, begins with obedience to Christ in our own lives. A contender for the faith that does not obey Christ is like a martial artist who doesn't train. A contender for the faith that doesn't obey Christ is like a martial artist that doesn't train. They're both doomed to fail. That's why here in this letter, Jude reminds his readers of four things, like if four common things that they would have known about. He reminds them about a tradition that they knew very, very well. He wasn't telling them anything that, that was like, oh, that's new. He's reminding them of things that they know. He gives them four duties. He reminds them of four duties of the Christian life. I mean, I'm, if this was a martial arts class, this is white belt stuff. This is day one stuff. He reminds them about four duties of the Christian life. In verse 20, he basically, uh, I'm, I'm rewording it, but he, he's telling them that they have a duty to build authentic Christian community on a biblical foundation. Build authentic Christian community on a biblical foundation. He reminds them of what the apostles told them. We have it so much easier in some ways than they did. Because some wonderful saints of God a long time ago took the teaching of the apostles and put it together for us here. You know, in our, in our New Testament. It's funny, this thing, even among Christians, is... Rarely read. Rarely prayed. Even among Christians. And if we were to call, I mean, seriously, if we call ourselves Christian, 
you know, this should be the one thing we know better than anything else. We should know this, but more than that, we should live this. We should know this better than we know anything else. Build authentic Christian community on a biblical foundation. Then he, te- he reminds them, he says that they also have a duty to pray under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He reminds them, pray in the Spirit. I really could go into a lot of detail here, but I'm not going to. I'm just simply saying that this is not about like the nice kind of, like when I was a kid, I remember my mom would teach me like a set prayer to pray before bed. You know, this isn't like that kind of praying. This is about the kind of praying that happens when we're so close to Jesus that the Spirit of God is moving in us and we begin to pray what God wants instead of just only what we want. We begin to pray what God wants. The language here, um, for those of the, that are interested, the language here is, is hinting, is moving in the charismatic direction. It's about the Holy Spirit empowering you and I and them to pray what God wants. And they have a, he's, he's reminding them, this is white belt stuff, day one stuff. He reminds them to keep themselves in God's love through obedience to God's will. Reminds them of that in verse 21. I mean, this is such day one stuff because that's what it means to be a Christian, right? That's what it means. If we're Christ followers, I mean, that means that we actually, Jesus is the Lord of our life and we make it our aim and our goal to do his will. That's bottom line, basic day one white belt stuff. It's not that God loves us less when we sin. It's that when we have a lifestyle that is, uh, is habitually not in harmony with God's preferences for our life, we, God's love doesn't do us any good. You know, I mean, Julie loves me a lot. Julie's an amazing woman and, a, and an awesome wife. Sometimes she makes some really good food as an expression of her love for me. But I have to choose to go home to eat it, right? Now, if I don't show up at home, if I don't go home, it's not that she doesn't love me. It's that her love that is expressing itself in something like a bacon explosion, it's not doing me any good. Worse than that, what, what Jude is talking about is that when we choose not to live in obedience to the will of God, not only God's love for us it can't is not benefiting us in ways that it could be, but we're also har- uh, we're, we're also harming ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. We're sabotaging ourselves. We're destroying ourselves. 
and, and Jude is uh, reminding them. This is day one stuff. We keep ourselves in the love of God through obedience to his will. When we don't live in obedience to his will, we reap that too. And there's no way of getting around it. The fourth thing he reminds them of is to live for Christ's return and the age to come. He reminds them that, that achieving all of our goals, all our heart's desires in this world is not the way a Christian lives. Just to get everything that would make us happy out of life. So we can have all the marks of success like anyone else. That's, that can't be the driving factor in the life of a follower of Jesus. Because we understand that we are in this world, but we are not of it. This world is not the end-all, be-all for us. This is not our home. We are strangers and aliens, foreigners and wanderers here. And Jude is reminding them, wait in eager expectation for the return of Christ when the fullness of the kingdom of God comes and the punchline of history is finally said and everything is turned around and we're being drawn and pulled into that future, the future of humanity, the future of the world now. And somehow it's so easy to take Christianity and take all of this and somehow sh shift it into a program to get God to give us what we want. There's going to be stuff that happens in this life that is not happy. Even if you are a faithful follower of Jesus. That's the reality. We don't serve God because he gives us everything we ever wanted. Because he makes us feel good about ourselves. Because he makes us happy. We serve because he's the Lord. Does that make sense? Jude's saying this is day one stuff. Build authentic Christian community on a biblical foundation. By knowing it and living it. Pray constantly. Let the Holy Spirit guide and direct you to pray what God wants. Keep yourself in the love of God through obedience to his will. Obedience is like such an awful word, right? You probably hate it as much as I do. But there's no substitution for a life of obedience to the will of God. And remember that this, this world, this isn't the end-all, be-all. Fighting for the faith begins with obedience to Christ. It doesn't matter which candidate we're going to support or how many chicken sandwiches we buy. 
doesn't matter if we're not, if Jesus really isn't the Lord of our life. It's so easy to substitute political agendas or chicken sandwiches for obedience to the will of God. I, uh, I was watching the movie Karate Kid this past week. The original one. Because I like that one. There's a scene where Daniel is going to begin his training. So he shows up at Mr. Miyagi's house. And Mr. Miyagi's got an awesome yard full of cars. You guys know what's about to happen. Daniel is going to wax on, wax off all day. And he's not going to be happy about it. But Mr. Miyagi and Daniel's son come together. And Mr. Miyagi says, now, ready? Daniel says, yeah, I guess so. Mr. Miyagi sighs and says, Daniel-san, must talk. They both kneel down by the car. Mr. Miyagi says, walk on, walk on the road. Hmm? Walk uh, left side, safe. Walk uh, right side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get squished, just like grape. Here, karate, same thing. Either you karate do yes, or karate do no. You karate do guess so, just like grape. Understand? He says, yeah, I understand. Now ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Here, fighting for the faith is the same thing. Either we fight for the faith, yes, or we fight for the faith, no. We fight for the faith, guess so? Just like grape. Understand? Fighting for the faith begins with obedience to Christ. That's where it begins. Stand with me.